Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. And I'm here with Laura Redman, who's our deputy digital director, Paul Brady, who's a senior editor for Traveler, Catherine LeGrave, who's a senior editor for Traveler also, and special guest from the land of Skype, Cassie Shortsleeve, who's a correspondent for us. Our topic for the week, it being spring and all, is going to be honeymoons, as in how to plan the perfect one. Let's do a quick check. Who has actually been, who here's married? Is everybody married? I am. I am. <laughs> I'm not. I'm soon to be soon, in like two weeks. So soon. I am too soon to be as well. Not in two weeks, but September. We got two soon to be's and three R's. So who went on a honeymoon? Did yeah. both you guys go on oh, honeymoons? Yeah. I, I was more excited about the honeymoon than the wedding. Well, love you. (laughs) 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 No, that honeymoon's the best part. But we didn't go for a year after the wedding. Oh, really? And was that just too busy or? You know, a combination of things. We were living in Seattle, planning a New Jersey wedding. So just the chaos around that was almost enough for me. And then adding a two week trip on top of that to plan that. I was like, no, no. So we only took a few days off work and went right back to Seattle right after the wedding, but it was the best week back because we basically like didn't work. You know, we worked half days. We went on these to these really <laughs> long dinners and split bottles of wine all the time. So it felt like we kind of did a little like local honeymoon. But then we saved up for uh, Italy the following year. Yeah, where'd you go? Well, I'll tell you, but I don't want to just oh you don't want to just over get the into conversation. Okay. I don't right. know. It sounds like you? a it sounds like a staycation moon. Oh no, boy, that got a bad reaction. Um, Listen up, marketers. Yeah, really. Staycation. Laura hates those. Those like every syllable you just uttered, I hate. Yeah, that's all right. I like you. So (laughs) okay, so feisty crew today. (laughs) Well, we're having fun, you know, talking about honeymoons. No, so I went. I had originally when I when I got married, you know, my wife and I were planning to not go on a honeymoon right away because. You know, you spend a lot of money on the wedding and you are taking time off of work to do that. We had a destination wedding, so there was an added sort of time out of the office element. But as the wedding approached and was getting closer and closer and I hadn't, um, of course, I was the one obligated to come up with the honeymoon idea working at a travel magazine, which is totally fine. And I, I lean into that. But there was definitely this sense of like you know what, I think we do want to go on a honeymoon right after this wedding, you know? <laughs> like, How close to the wedding did this happen? I, I, that's a good question. Maybe three months. I mean, it wasn't like two days before the wedding. No. We were like, oh my God, we got to do something. Yeah, But that's but, kind of the last minute, right? Yeah, well, this is the thing is that we were originally talking about doing some really dramatic trip, you know, like backpacking across Southeast Asia or, you know, really like going from the one tip of Japan to the other tip of Japan or doing this like really epic trip. And as our sort of scope of epicness uh, got tighter and tighter, we started feeling like, well, we can go somewhere closer to home and do a shorter trip, but then that enables us to do it immediately after the wedding and the, and the sort of wedding weekend. And so we went, we went one day after, or two days after the ceremony. Where'd you go? We went to Mexico. And, um, you know, that I think is probably a very popular place for people to go on honeymoon, but also, I mean, to get married. But we went to Mexico City and the Yucatan Peninsula. So we did this kind of double trip because it felt a little like if we live in New York City, do we really want to go on our honeymoon in another enormous city? Right. Yes, but only for a couple of days. So, <laughs> then we, so then we added, you know, a side trip. So it was sort of like two trips in one over the course of six days that really felt, you know, kind of bigger and grander than it actually was. Catherine and Cassie, you're planning your honeymoons right now or do you already know what you want to do? So we just booked our flights. So we are doing Italy as well, Laura. Oh, good. All right. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk. 
Yeah, flights is about (laughs) as far as we've gotten, but we kind of know what areas we're going to go to. I have never been to Italy, so... What? No, I haven't haven't been either when I went. Okay, okay. It's it's a popular honeymoon destination. It's Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, there's, you know, family heritage or it's just... Yeah. So classic. It's like Italy and Paris. How more romantic could you get than those two? Oh, I, I got you. I got you for the Italy trip. I, that's oh, like great. don't make the classic American mistake. That's all I'll say. Well, see, I'm kind of feeling like it's it feels a little cliche to me, but only I, if you I, only if you try to do Florence, Rome, Venice, Milan, and whatever, uh, and the Amalfi Coast and Capri. Like if you try to do all of that in one in one much. trip, that's terrible. Don't do that. But well, I, I feel know. like I that's kind of a trip. struggle. In, <laughs> in like a week or two weeks? No, not in a week. But. Yeah. <laughs> in two weeks. <laughs> you would. Yeah, yeah that, Laura, that was my we know Laura would. Tell me so are, are you going right after you get married in September? Then? We are, yeah. Okay. So we're going right after, but we were kind of contemplating doing the shorter trip right after just for a weekend or, or something and then kind of changed our minds. Uh, same thing, Paul. Now we're just going to go and going to go for, I think, 12 days right after. I mean, that's something I would say just in general, like my number one rule, if you're planning a honeymoon, if anyone asked me, go for two weeks. I mean, yeah, that should be the start of your lifelong commitment to the two week vacation. That's a good idea. I, I, a lot of people told me too, this is the one time that you will actually get off all the time that you ask for. And, you know, yeah. no, no boss wants to be like, no, I'm sorry, we really need you back immediately. You know, right. like that's sort of your permission slip really is saying like, well, I'm getting married, so... I'm not going to come back for two weeks. And what, I mean, what are people going to say? It's the, true. We no? had a colleague who went for three weeks to Africa, and I was just kind of like, okay. You, you had to say okay. yes, yeah, right? Yeah, That's now, a very good point. So the moon in honeymoon, I did research on this. I geeked out for about five minutes before the show <laughs> and looked up, looked up the origin of honeymoon. Moon is for month, right? This is the word for month back in the 5th century all, all the way up to the 16th century. And then... The honey referred to two different things in the fifth century, apparently, according to mental floss, you know, that fine source of institutional knowledge. The honey stood for mead because during that first month, the couple went away and drank mead, perhaps not exclusively, but it was supposed to have aphrodisiac qualities. So, you know, that was part of your beginning of your marriage. In the 16th century, the idea became a little more pessimistic, and the idea was that love fades. So enjoy this month together, because after that, it's going to kind of go south from there. So that's when all the tenderness and all the feelings of happiness mm-hmm. between the couple are most fully expressed, and it's all downhill, so get out there and spend some time together. Interesting. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty accurate. That's a, I feel like we should have a, a story like how to vacation, or no, how to have a fifth century honeymoon, where they follow what they oh did God, in the fifth great. century. Oh, God, that's great. Drink like a lot of mead. Not, I'm, not, I'm not volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see a lot of mead on menus anymore, right. though. That's the thing. Do you have the mead tonight? Right. Oh, yeah, when I got back to Seattle, it was just a week of mead and three-hour right. dinners. <laughs> right, right. That's modern life. We took the month and made it a week. Yeah. <laughs> right, made it challenging that you had to ask for two full weeks off, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, Cassie, how are you going to decide where to go with your 12 days. You have flights and you don't have have anything else. How are you going to narrow it down? And are you going to look for things that feel honeymoony or are you just going to do a vacation that you want to do? Like where, where are you landing on that? I'm kind of trying to do a mix. We're flying into Venice. So I kind of want to do the classical, you know, romance thing in Venice Mm -hmm. and just feel like that is something we have to see. But then 
you know, I think when people plan their honeymoons, you have to think about what kind of a person you are in your day to day. Like, I'm going to go crazy if I'm sitting on a beach all day. So that can't be my honeymoon. So I'm trying to think about, you know, how to incorporate aspects of romance, but then also just actually doing things. You don't want to get bored. So we are going to go do the Amalfi Coast for sure. And then I also want to do Rome. The ins and outs of that, I have not gotten to yet. Right. <laughs> and you're not listening are... to Brad's commentary about how you shouldn't try to do all those things, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Those three are, <laughs> no, like, you have 12 no. days. Those three are fine. Don't do any more than that. That's what exactly, I would say. Exactly, yeah. No Milan. Yeah. Don't don't no try Florence. to go to Florence. Although Florence is closer to Florence. Rome. Is, you could, you yeah. Could, I would do, I did Rome, Florence back to back. It was pretty easy, but it, it depends. I mean... Are you going into Venice and then out of Rome? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you can do that. I think yeah. you can get for, for, do in like twelve a loop. days. Yeah, it's just that you're gonna want to spend. I would guess you're gonna want to spend at least three or four days on the Amalfi Coast. You're gonna want to swing through Sorrento. You're probably gonna want to take a boat out to Capri or maybe stay there for a day or two, because that is so crazy and dense that you know I just feel like you need to give it a few days and then Rome you want to give a couple of days and Venice you want to give a couple of days you just end up short right. short changing some fairly like substantial places if you try to do too much that's the problem yeah absolutely absolutely are you and your fiance the same kind of traveler I would say we are I'm also always looking for kind of active things to do so I want to do the hikes and walks and workout and whatnot. He's a tennis coach, so he's very into fitness as well. So yeah, I think we are, which is good. So we're not butting heads when planning the trip. It can be one of those things that gets you negotiating right away, right? Like just like the wedding itself does, or if you're different kinds of travelers, or if you have different priorities when you're on the road, some people do want to hit the beach, you know, for several days in a row and other people want to jet around the city and do lots of stuff in museums and stuff like that. And this can bring that to the surface. Did any of you guys have that or are you all just like perfectly matched up with? Perfectly matched. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a boring podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think that's actually an interesting point. It's, and it's the kind of thing you don't necessarily talk to your partner about, especially if you haven't been together for years and years. You know, What if all of a sudden you're planning the honeymoon and you discover that your partner doesn't have a passport? Like That happened to one of our writers. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> Is that grounds for calling yeah. off the wedding? Maybe. I, it wouldn't be in my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I want to do three weeks in South Africa. And they're like, I can't. But... <laughs> How no. about Kentucky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think maybe wait, say you are polar opposites. Do you do you try doing the short term trip that kind of caters to one person and then a slightly longer trip that's somewhere in the middle? I mean, you could it's really easy to do an urban trip right after you get married, especially if you're living in a city in the US. You just you could pop to Charleston for a weekend, you could I don't know go up to Carmel and maybe do Big Sur. There's a bunch of little weekends that would be really easy. But I don't know if, if Greg came to me and was like, I just want to spend a, 10 days on a beach in Tahiti. I'd be like, well, how drunk are we getting? You know? yeah. <laughs> but, does it, but isn't that kind of the classic conventional honeymoon idea is like you go hit the beach for yeah. however long? For sure. I think the idea yeah. of the honeymoon is changing, kind of what we talked about. It doesn't always have to be somewhere far flung. It can be Charleston. It can be a longer weekend, right? Yeah, right. for sure. And I think one thing that we talk about hear a lot is this idea of, you know, sort of the permission to have the trip that you want to have. Like there's no sort of set rule, right? I do think 
Brad, to your point, you know, there, there used to be these rules that you would go to certain places for certain occasions, or you, you know, you'd go to Hawaii for, you know, sort of romantic honeymoon, or you would go to Paris for the romance, or you would sort of go see art in Rome and, and learn about history there. And that was the only thing that you did there. And now I think we're living in a world, you know, outside of honeymoons that where travel is much more flexible and you can do all sorts of different experiences in different places. And I think when we particularly here at, at Traveler talk about romance and romantic trips, I think we always try to add that idea of like, it's okay to be alone for like an hour. Like <laughs> you don't have to do everything together. Cause you know, I think what can happen is like you have breakfast together and then you go to the museum together and then you have lunch together and then you go do like a hike or something in the afternoon. And at dinner you're like, how are you doing? What you got anything new to talk about? I like, know I you were there. I don't know. Um, should we go to bed early? I guess we're kind of tipsy because <laughs> we had wine at lunch because it's our honeymoon. You know, not, not that that happened to me, oh, yeah. but you know this. No rule but, number two is but, wine at lunch. By the way, yeah, totally. Like definitely have wine at lunch, but definitely don't spend every waking moment together. I know, like when we were in Mexico, my wife and I split up. You know, it was like I'm going to go to this dingy, grimy market and, and like have this really sort of like visceral all five senses experience and she's like I'm gonna stay here in this hammock by the pool and our vacation rental and I was like that is great and I will see you later and like we're still married you know there was no great <laughs> crisis ab about you know spending a few hours apart um, and I think we both you know sort of had a little more like it was a nicer day for both of us that way. Well, and I think to Laura's point, that's also a great solution to if you and your partner have completely different styles of travel. Like you said, don't spend every minute together, especially if you're going somewhere like, you know, a great city that has all those different offerings. You can go do something and they can go do something. You can meet up later. Totally. And I feel like right if you go right after the wedding too i don't know if you guys experienced this, but there's that decompression immediately after when you're not asked to speak to like a hundred <laughs> people all at once and plan a party a massive party and you're just tired like i remember <laughs> we, we right after i think we flew six hours and i think i slept for 12 immediately after the <laughs> wedding i was so tired because <laughs> you don't sleep for those few days either note to self don't plan activities where i need to speak to anyone no for at least the first 48 hours you know? okay totally and i think the wedding itself depending on the type of wedding that you have of course it can be fairly exhausting. Like you're up early that morning. There's lots of activity. You're kind of on stage the whole time, all the way through dinner and the dancing. And like, again, not everybody does all those things, but it's a long day. And it, it is a day of performance in a way that you're kind of like obligated to make the rounds of the room and say hello to people you haven't seen in 20 years or whatever. And it does get kind of tiring. And then in addition to that, at least with us, like, there had been months of planning before that. Like we planned our own wedding for the most part and it took a lot of effort. It took a lot of, you know, back and forth and discussions and meetings with DJs and I don't know, the whole thing. And we did a destination wedding sort of in Italy. And when we got on the ground, there was- rain. I don't know, that sounds like a destination. Well, except that it's where my wife is from. So <laughs> for her, it wasn't that much of a destination, but for me it was and for my whole like family. I think that's another point about destination wedding is that like you f also feel uh, responsible for all these people who come, you know, sometimes great distances and who are staying in hotels and sort of like it's amazing how much they're sort of looking to you for 
what do I do? How you do know? I work this shower? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. And especially, you know, if it's in another country that they haven't been to before, they're sort of at sea. Like my whole family, my side of the family was kind of like, but we don't like what, how does this Italy thing work? You know? <laughs> and, and that was tiring. Catherine, you have a bunch of people coming in from out of town. Is the idea of planning a honeymoon on top of the wedding and on top of orchestrating that whole thing? Like, is it just another thing to check off the list or are you putting the honeymoon off for a little bit? I have two weeks total until the wedding and we have our tickets. We don't have much else planned. So we're going to do a road trip through Croatia and Slovenia and Montenegro. So that's as far as we've planned. Because, that seems pretty exotic. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it, it goes back to what you said, like do a trip that you want. And I'm the same, like I would get bored sitting on a beach for 10 days. So we don't have too much else planned at the moment. And I think part of that is because we're still sort of consumed by these small tasks that keep popping up that need our approval that we need to to finish that you can only sort of accomplish in the final weeks before your wedding. Are you the planner or is your fiance or do you guys divide it? We divide it. He actually does a lot more than I do because I don't like calling people on the phone. I don't like negotiating. I don't like bartering about certain things. Um, so, you know, I will, I think, have more of an opinion about certain things and then he sort of executes it. So it's a, it's that a is team awesome. effort. Yeah, it is awesome. But yeah, we do have people coming in for the wedding and, you know, it's New York. It's not a totally foreign place like Italy, but um, we do have a lot of people coming in. And so we're going to sort of stay close to home for a few days after and then go on honeymoon a week after. And you're gone for, for two weeks, right? Well, I'm gone for three now after we had that talk about asking your yeah. employers for uh, more <laughs> yeah. time off. Three or four? I don't remember. Uh, I've been you, waiting to have a conversation with you, That Brad. depends on when Laura goes into labor. Exactly. Yes, I'm gone for two weeks. We have weeks. a whole lot going on yeah. here at Trevor There's a right lot now. going on. Did you guys plan your own honeymoons or did you use travel specialists or travel agents or anything? Just, mm. I mean, just going on top of all of the wedding planning, Good planning question. a honeymoon can be a little... Like, oh my God, another thing to add to the list. I'm far too much of a control freak about that stuff to, I think, outsource it when there's a lot of expectation on me. You know, like I yeah. definitely felt. That's how I am. I definitely felt a lot of pressure as like the travel expert and like the travel guru. You should know everything about it. And I felt like a great sense of relief in some ways that all I had to do, quote unquote, was plan a trip to Mexico City where like you take Uber to the nice restaurant and the you know, friendly people there actually speak English and you're like, oh, thank God. Um, I don't have to like labor through this in Spanish, which would be totally reasonable given that it's a Spanish speaking country. But, um, <laughs> you know, it felt in many ways quite easy and that was nice. But I think for sure, if I were going to Africa or I wanted to go to, uh, you know, a safari or the Maldives or, you know, dune bashing through Oman, yeah, hundred percent, I would call on the help of an expert because that's just one other person you can sort of dump things on. And I think, again, back to your notion of permission, this is another place where not only are we, or at least am I, and I know the rest of us are too, like full-throated endorsers of travel experts and seeking help. But Cassie's point is well taken. Like you've already planned a wedding or you've gotten yourself ready for a wedding. You've done all this work. This is a great time to give yourself permission to put yourself in somebody else's hands, particularly if you are looking for that different experience, something you're not familiar with. Yeah, for sure. I think if we were the sort of people who hired a wedding planner or an event planner, then we would have also, I think, outsourced this. But 
we didn't do that and this felt like a parallel sort of project so what i mean as someone who's planning her honeymoon cassie you too what things do you wish you had known about not about honeymoons but about plan i guess planning them or that you know looking back you oh i would have done that differently like what so what could you say i actually have a very tangible thing go kind of jumping off what you said paul um my mother-in-law is a travel agent so she helped us book one really nice hotel in florence villa medici and you know it was the champagne on arrival the huge breakfast buffets beautiful pool um i had wish we had splurged a little more we were in our you know early mid 20s and i think we felt like we couldn't necessarily go big throughout the entire trip so we did like a you know, a decent level boutique hotel here, you know, maybe like a, an Airbnb apartment there. And I kind of wish I had just gone big for a few places and made it feel a little more special than just our typical vacation, mm-hmm. you know, because otherwise it was, it was, a, it was the kind of trip we would have done any time of year, any decade, whatever. But um, it's a special occasion. And I think the specialist can help you find like little ways to kind of juice your trip. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that 100% that there needs to be this element to it that's over the top and super special. And whatever that means for you, right? Like if that's something that's super expensive, great, like spend the money. If it's something that's like really unique or distinctive, then that's good too. You know, like the thing that uh, my wife and I did was we wanted to rent a house in this town, Merida, in the Yucatan of Mexico. And instead of just getting a place that was big enough for us, you know, like we would get on any other vacation. Mm-hmm. We rented a five bedroom house with a lap pool and an enormous kitchen and all this extra space that we didn't need because we wanted to just be like, you know, sort of like, what's that scene in the movie where they run through the Louvre and, and you know, you just act like a maniac in this <laughs> giant sort of institution because, you know, it was like, this is a special trip. I want a lap pool. Yeah. I don't care. I'm going to get it. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and it's going to cost a little more money. It's sort of like, well, I already spent all this money on the, on the wedding and on the honeymoon and everything else. Like what's you're, you're sort of to think about it, you know, in like, you know, the economist terms, you're spending a tiny bit more money in the end to have this much greater experience. And it is something that you'll remember. And why not? Right. And it's funny when you think about it, if you've been penny pinching through your wedding, a lot, we're all on budgets of some kind, you know. And that continues into the honeymoon. Like, I'd almost try to save a little on the wedding and spend a little more on the honeymoon. Yeah, but we work at a travel. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's a good point because the wedding is, it's for you, but it's also for a lot of other people. Whereas the honeymoon is just for you, right? And so treat yourself at least as right as you're going to treat Treat, treat yourself as right as, as you're going to treat everybody else, you know, at least, at least, if not more. Well, this brings up a good question, though, too. And, and I'll ask the two, you know, people that are actively planning honeymoons, you know, there's a big sort of debate over do you tell people that you're coming on your honeymoon or do you keep that a secret because you're afraid that they might, you know, the rates might go up or the there might be a surcharge for that particular thing? Like, are you worried about that? Do you care about that? Do you want to tell people or what? It's kind of interesting because I do worry about just a surcharge or something. I mean, in the wedding industry, it's like you say that you want flowers for your wedding and it's doubly as like double as expensive as if it was just for a regular event. But then I've had people tell me that, no, 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 tell people you're on your honeymoon. You know, they'll upgrade your room. They'll give you a better table at dinner. So definitely say it. I have not. 
I mean, we haven't planned much yet, but I haven't told anybody. And I'm still kind of deciding whether or not to do that because I'm a little skeptical. I don't know about you, Catherine. (laughs) It seems like something you could surprise people with and see if you get the upgrade, right? Like they're not going to tell – once you've booked the room and you show up and you say, oh, we're here on our honeymoon, they're not going to say like, oh, it's going to be another $50. But they might say like, oh, let me upgrade your suite, (laughs) right? I think that's a card I would play when I get there or when I'm unhappy. Yeah. Are you worried about traveling through the Balkans? No, or? not at no. all. <laughs> I actually, I went the other way. I played that card every chance I got. In the planning. In the planning. Mm. Yeah. Did it work? Yeah, we got. I mean, like a, we got the we got a really nice room with a beautiful view in Florence. We. Um, but is that the mother-in-law travel agent, or is that in part? But then we also like the concierge at that hotel we're like it's our honeymoon and we want to go to the Uffizi but we didn't get tickets and then he fixed that up real fast <laughs> although that might also just be Italian concierges they are known as fixers mm-hmm, they can do mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm. no every every meal we went to we wrote in if we booked it online we wrote in that little comment section like <laughs> honeymoon nice table please <laughs> well this sounds like a, a reason to do it then and if you get charged extra at one place to have a much better experience well that was worth it right yeah and I didn't notice a tangible difference at all um i mean admittedly i don't know if i was checking the bottom line that closely but, uh, <laughs> that's probably another really good rule is yeah. don't eat and i think marcus said this before on the podcast like just don't look at the receipts just do it do what you're gonna do and and don't pay attention to don't pay yeah. a pinch yeah yeah get the hotel room service breakfast and pay the service fee and pay the delivery fee and and tip the waiter because at the end of the day you know what 30 euros, 40 euros instead of 20 euros. What's the difference when yeah. you remember yeah. the like great breakfast in bed? Yeah, totally. Catherine, what do you come down on the tell them it's a honeymoon? Tell them, don't tell them it's a honeymoon. Mm, I don't know. I could see how it could go both ways. I mean, like we talked about, but I think I will probably not say anything until I get there. And then, like I said, if I have a room that doesn't have a certain view, well, hey, my honeymoon. You're going to do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> Once we're standing in front of you, you know. I'll You're going to you know, guilt re- trip people. Yeah, of course. Well, no, my fiance. I'll make him do it. <laughs> Again, you I, I'm go the requester and he's I the enforcer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll compare. Yes. Well, this is, uh, that's a good reason also to go back to the travel specialist. You know, what yeah. What one travel specialist said to me once, which I think is a great line, is you can't VIP yourself. But somebody else can make you a VIP by calling and saying, you know, this person is a VIP. But if you go and and try to do it yourself, you're that person who's like, do you know who I am? Which, (laughs) like, that person never gets the thing that they want. But if they have somebody calling in, right, and saying, you don't understand who you have on your hands here. This is a very important VIP. And I don't mean that as, you know, somebody who works, you know, for a kind of nice traveler. (laughs) But just as, as anyone, like anyone who can hire a travel agent can then have a sort of advocate on your side to handle those problems and be the bad guy that gets the good result, right? I think one of the things that um, is helpful to people maybe is, and we've already talked about a couple of these, but budgets are a factor in this. So what are some good ideas for people? You've mentioned Charleston, which I think is comes up on the podcast way too regularly, but it, what are you going to do? It's or Charleston. not too regularly. Or not, it's, it's, because it's, it's a, Charleston. It's a very lovely place it to is, visit. It is, and it's actually a fantastic idea because it's actually a great place for a honeymoon. But what are some other you know, kind of um, honeymoon ideas where 
you can still have a great experience, but you're not going to break the bank. If that is a, you know, weddings are expensive, right? And and so if that is a concern, how can you go budget without feeling like you're going budget? I think the biggest hack is just going somewhere that has a favorable exchange rate mm-hmm. or is affordable in general. Like you think of a place, you know, like Thailand, for example, very affordable, great five-star resorts and properties at rates that you would not find anywhere in the United States except maybe Las Vegas in August, Um, but you get that high-quality experience, right? So there's that. Or you could look at a place where, you know, currency has fluctuated a lot. I, I don't know where South Africa is right now, but... It's been very good. I mean, the RAND, I'm sorry for the RAND, but I mean, it's a good time to go as an American traveler. Yeah, you know, where you can use that leverage to your advantage. And, and that way you're not spending, you know, in U.S. dollars the crazy amounts of money, but you're still getting that high-end experience. So I think that's a really good way, especially nowadays when we're sort of, I think, more interested in what's the experience you can have in a place and what can my partner and I do on this trip that's unique and interesting rather than, you know, I need to go to this particular country because that's the place to go. So I think, you know, utilizing currency fluctuations to your advantage is a great way to kind of hack that. Yeah, I would work backwards from what kind of honeymoon or what kind of trip do I want to have and what are the destinations that fit within that? Do I want a beach vacation? Do I want an active vacation? And then looking at those exchange rates. That's what we kind of did. <laughs> and don't be afraid to go far flung. Yeah. You know, it, it might actually be a more affordable vacation to go right. spend two weeks in South Africa than it would to do a week a week in the Caribbean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a good idea too, you know, if you have two weeks or even three weeks to go, you know, the sort of per day cost of that longer haul airfare comes down quite a bit, right? You know, whether it's I don't know, maybe it's the time to go to New Zealand because you think, well, fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars more than I want to spend on a plane ticket. But you put that over the course of your trip, it's actually not that much. Like taking that long journey is a reason to splurge on a ticket, right? Right. And I feel like since our honeymoon, we have had a second honeymoon, third, fourth trips like that of the same vein where we actually went to New Zealand and did two weeks. We went to South Africa and did two weeks, keeping this notion in mind that we are we're going to try to dedicate enough time for a proper vacation. We're going to splurge a little more than we normally would, but we're going to go somewhere far flung. It makes it feel more special at the end of the day. I think that's a great tip too. It's like, this is not the last trip that you're ever going to take, right? Like, right. Yeah. I was yeah. curious about that too. Did you guys look at this trip within the context of, and I say this because one thing that's emerged from this discussion to me is that we're in a very different place now than people in the fifth century or the 16th century were. <laughs> right. No, we not least of which, because I think part of that original, the, the honeymoon's purpose was for you to get to know each other, right? Now, everybody at this table came to a wedding and a honeymoon knowing their partner pretty well. We'd probably spent a lot of years with them or time with them, months with them, whatever, and had maybe lived with them. So this question of, are you the same kind of traveler? Even if the answer was no, we knew that, right? And mm-hmm. we could all come to that. So I think this idea, Paul, that you're looking at this trip within the context of the, you know, you've just made a decision, you're going to spend the rest of your lives together. So looking at this trip within that context, and I'm wondering, Laura, you know, talking about picking a far-flung place, did you guys have that context in your minds of like a bucket list of places, so to speak? You know, I hate that term. I know you hate that term, but still it is a thing. For sure. I mean, we've always had a top five since we've been together. Um, So it's like 10 years, our top five is constantly changing and it kind of depends on where we live at the time, what's accessible, what our means are, whatever. But 
we just keep trying to check things off that list. Although London has landed in our top five, because I got to a point when I was like 30-something, and I hadn't been to London yet, and I had spent a year living in Singapore, but I hadn't been to London. Another sad fact, I haven't been to Long Island, and I live in New York. <laughs> so, I'm not sure you can put well, London you, and Long Island. Yeah, you've been to Brooklyn, right? I mean, that's, I live in Brooklyn. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That, that sort of counts, You're depending on, on who you ask. Long yeah. Island is the London of... New York. New York. <laughs> that was a pause for emphasis. So there we go. So you're fine. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Sorry. So, so yes, we we are constantly thinking about that. And um, I mean, like you mentioned before, I'm pretty pregnant right now. So that you know, we tried to check off a lot of trips. That was our favorite thing to do together, though. That's how we get to know each other better. And I found that as we've moved to different places together and traveled as much as we have, when you're outside your comfort zone with someone you're very close with, I feel like you get to know them better instantly. There's something about it. I don't know. Cassie, do you feel that Do you guys talk about it that way? Yeah, I mean, I think there's something just to your point about, you know, going on a trip that you're going to splurge a little more on, you know, you're going to make that extra move to make it special, but also thinking, you know, this isn't going to be our last great trip. And that way, like with a destination like Italy, I can say, okay, I definitely want to go do these few things, but I can take the pressure off because I can say, okay, we're going to come back here. We're going to, we can, we can do this in segments and really focus on what is going to be special and what you want to enjoy out of it. Catherine, how are you guys talking about it? If at all. We're not really talking about it. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, yeah, I think there's this idea that it's like it has to be special because it's this trip of a lifetime. And sure, it does. You know, you should splurge on these things, but you should also do it. have license to do whatever you want, take a break from each other, sleep. Right. Yeah. This is slightly tangential. Um, did you guys put your honeymoon on your registry or do you know people who did? Huh. I do know people who did. Um, I have not. Never heard of that. What do no, you? I do know people who did. We actually registered. We did part of our registry on Zola, yeah. which, yeah. What uh, is that? So, Explain, new, right? Yeah, so it's kind of new. It's basically you can register for experiences. They have different brands that are a part of it, like SoulCycle. So you can register for SoulCycle classes or you know cooking classes or somebody comes into your apartment and gives you a design session. You can do Airbnb on it now too. Airbnb, well. yeah. yeah. And you can also do cash funds. So we put a couple of different cash funds on there that, you know, it just says like, oh, this is for honeymoon, this is for yoga classes, whether or not it is, who knows. But maybe it makes people more likely to lie on Zola. You know this is going live, right? <laughs> but I know people who have who have just straight up you know, put their honeymoon on the yeah. registry. Yeah, we. I, I had we some friends that, that I had some friends that did that and and did things like you know buy us a nice dinner in you know in some city in France or other friends who were like you know pay for our car rental to drive through this part of Scandinavia you know and like it was very specific sort of pieces of the trip that they put on the registry and and their friends and family ponied up which I think is interesting. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. What we like to do is wedding gifts. Um, we'll give people you know we say take this money and go out to dinner 30 days after you get married you know oh just, that's cool yeah just something to commemorate the moment nice. when you're outside the window of the chaos that's really smart i'm wondering did you guys feel or do you feel pressure to sort of define things as romantic as you're doing this or is that a thing we've kind of left behind have we in, have we reached enlightenment and we've sort of left that behind 
Yeah, I really don't. I more see it as just kind of like we've been talking about doing a trip that you both really want to do and just making it an adventure for both of you. I'm not really looking at it as this big romantic thing, but I don't know if we're beyond that or if that's just the way I'm looking at it, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I don't think I've felt that pressure to have it be romantic. It's more just like, okay, what's a trip that we both want to take? Where's a place we both want to go? And then, and I think that is romantic. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like there'd be a lot of pressure if you're like, we're going to have romance now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at a time. Bubble bath, activate. (laughs) Yeah, at a time when you're already feeling a lot of pressure, right? From sort of your friends and family and society and yourself and all these other things. Like, we better do something amazing. I know when we decided to go to Mexico, it was definitely like a. Oh, is this a letdown? And then, you know, you very quickly realize, like, no, it's not. We're going to, like, go have an amazing time. And I think there is something to the idea, or at least I hope there is. I've convinced myself of this point that there's something to the idea of, like, this is another trip in the sort of bundle of amazing sort of trips and experiences that we want to have be a part of our shared life. And so, you know, this shouldn't be like the last great thing we ever do. It should be one of them and projecting out into the future the sort of thing that you want to do in the in the years to come. Yeah, kind of like what what makes you happiest, right? Yeah, what, like a tone setter almost, yeah. yeah. Is spontaneity romantic to you? And if it is, make sure your vacation is not too scheduled. It's sort of related, but what about the notion of self-care or mutual care? Like whether that means a spa or whether that means, you know, like setting up massages, whether that means setting up exercises. Is that something you guys gave any thought to or are giving any thought to? No I, is an acceptable no, answer. No, that's a good Fuck question. I mean, no, no, like, no, not, not really. Doing... I think for me it was more like how am I going to feel refreshed after this period of stress, yeah. right? So I'm a big yeah. outdoors person. And so <laughs> part of my reasoning for picking that vacation was we can do a road trip, but we can also do a lot of hiking and a lot of walking and a lot of eating, which is not active at all. But going to these natural sites, you know, going up in the mountains, going swimming, all this stuff was important to me. So not in the typical sense, but I think in the sense of, okay, how can I sort of hit a reset button? And what counts as an indulgence for you or what counts as something that you normally might not get to do because you don't allow yourself the time to do it. And there are not many mountains in New York, too. No, there are (laughs) Cassie, what were you going to say? No, I would agree with that just from not the traditional sense of, oh, let's book a couple's massage or... You know, we need to get spa treatments because we're on our honeymoon. But I'm definitely seeking out the hikes and the natural experiences and the outdoors and whatnot, uh, just as a way for stress relief, but also because that's what I enjoy to do. So I would love to know who are these people booking these couples massages? We should get them on the podcast <laughs> and ask them, what are you thinking? But there are also what is, options what is when you this? go when you go look at, you know, some of the hotels or whatnot and they say and add this and it's you know, the, the champagne and the, the couple's massage. And well, I don't have anything against champagne. Great, but <laughs> yeah, no. it's whatever makes I'll you take f- the champagne. Yeah. yeah. Whatever makes you feel good. Right. Yeah. My couple's massage is a hike through the Balkans. <laughs> yeah. That's a good quote. For, for us, it was. But I think uh, that's our bottom line, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Lamar. Yeah. No, oh, let's go around. Do you want to wrap with this? What is your version of a couple's massage? Catherine, I already went. Hike through the Balkans. <laughs> Um, mine would be four hours in a museum and day drinking. At the museum? Yeah, probably. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> mine was uh, the long lingering lunch at Contramar in Mexico City. Nice. <sighs> Cassie? I would say a really good coffee and a run on the beach. 
I would say like a meal, you know, like a fantastic meal. That's that's the thing that we tend to bond and, you know, feel really restored by in some imaginative sense. Okay, so that's that. Cassie, thank you for Skyping in. Excellent quality on the Skype. I don't think we had any glitches at all that were audible to the user. Thank um, you, guys. And thanks to all of you guys for getting personal on the Honeymoon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. And we're also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook, YouTube, CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And please do tweet at us. If you do have any suggestions for Italy, for Cassie, or for the Balkans, for Catherine, please tweet those to us. Send them in, and we will pass them on. We'll make sure that they get them. We'll make sure they do whatever you tell them to do, because <laughs> it's your honeymoon, Aside not theirs. Aside from drinking mead. Aside from drinking mead. If you know any good mead outlets in Italy or the Balkans, we'd love to hear about them. Yeah, and why do you? He's <laughs> 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 never had mead. I'm sure it's delightful. Um, it's made from honey, of course. And uh, do review us on iTunes. We are reading those and enjoying those very much. Why don't we tell people where to find you, Catherine? So I'm on Twitter at KJ Lagrave, L-A-G-R-A-V-E. Cassie? I am on Twitter and Instagram at C Short Sleeve, just like short sleeve shirt. Laura? I'm on Twitter at Dannon825 and on Instagram at Laura underscore Redman. Mr. Brady? You can tweet me at P underscore Brady. And I'm at Bradrick. That's it. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.